Blog Talk Radio. Hello, good morning. It's um, 11 a.m. Eastern on this uh, beautiful uh, day, January 22nd, and uh, this is Ursula Pottinger, and I'm here with my wonderful friend and uh, business partner, Anne Betts, and uh, this is Be Above Leadership. And the link between the neuroscience, co- coaching, transformational coaching, and consciousness. Hello, Anne. How are you doing? Hi. Good morning. <laughs> it's bloody cold here. It's like 10 below in in Minnesota. And we're going to talk about energy fields in the middle of, of, uh, of the field of coldness here. <laughs> Well, it's actually um, I actually like this uh, metaphor of uh, weather, and uh, we'll we'll start with a poem in a minute. But I, I it just uh, sort of makes me think that um, even that is a great metaphor for energy yeah. because you are in the energy field of below uh, below ten, and I'm in the in a, in the energy field of sixty. Well, and that's uh, great. Let's let's come back to that because it's a great example of how. Um, in this case, sort of the physical environment and something that we can measure really impacts um, what we're able to do and what we need mm-hmm. to do. So let's come yes. back to that. But I did want to read this this poem. It's just it's a classic. It's not one of mine. It's from Rudyard Kipling, and it's just a it's a classic one. And it sort of links to our topic today. It's, it's from I won't read the whole thing, but the poem is called If, and this is just an excerpt. So it goes like this. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. Wow. Ooh, I I see a lot of paradox in in this in this poem. A lot of paradoxical uh opposing or, or opposite energy. I wouldn't say yeah. opposing but but opposite energies in this or in this polar. poem. Polar. Well, it's really gets to the, you know, it's a really great question. Can you be hated and not give way to hating? Can you be lied about and yet not lie? Because one of the things that we know about the energy fields, and Ursula, you and I have been working with this for 10 years, probably going on 10 years, what we see is that the energy fields have a pull. So maybe we should start by talking about what the heck do we actually mean by energy fields? Yeah, I think uh, that would probably be helpful. Um, And I want to really refer back to our wonderful seven levels of effectiveness because uh, it is that roadmap of the seven levels that gives me a foundation to stand on um, to even talk about energy. So the the way I see energy, and then I want to hear from you how you see it, is um, they are this um, they they are they are emotion, but they are more than that. They are the they are whatever whatever emotion we are in. From that, something ripples out of it that impacts yeah. people. You know, it's 
it's interesting. I think that we are going to develop in the next maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years, um, you know, at the rate of technology, maybe next year, um, more and more sophisticated ability to measure what we call energy fields. And I just heard our, our lovely um, mentor and teacher, Dan Siegel, speak on a webinar, and he was saying, I loved how he claimed this, he's saying, when we talk about energy, we are not talking about something that's weird and out there and we made it up. We're talking about things that can be measured on the subatomic level. This is real, people. And Mm -hmm. I love how he really claimed that. We don't have yet the full capacity to go in with a, you know, uh, you know, fieldometer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, bring it into a bring it into your workplace, your little fieldometer, and and say, ooh, okay, where are we today? Which what? Oh, we're at a three point five today. <laughs> we're in frustration, going into the fieldometer. Yeah, on the fieldometer. But you know, we may have that. What we have is instead we have our own bodies, which are our mm-hmm. fieldometers, and we can sense if we walk into so how we know it's real. We can sense if we walk into a meeting where people are, if you're paying attention, kind of where are they on the seven levels? If you're using that as your marker or whatever you want to use, how does it feel to be there? You will actually know. Right, so we are really having to tap into um, the dreaded F word of feelings, whether we are <laughs> in an organizational executive setting or not, it doesn't matter, but it is what we feel that gives us a signal of where either we are or where people are that uh, that are right in front of us or it's such as in a meeting or a one-on-one, one-on-one relationship. So um, would you say I wanna, that then... Can I... Can I can I build on that just a real quick? Yeah, it is feelings. It is our own feelings. Like we may even have a physical reaction, but it's also our it's also our analysis, I think, as well as our intuition. So mm-hmm. we may, you know, I don't think it's it's I think it's a really actually people who are really good at this are using both hemispheres of their brain. They're mm-hmm. saying they're they're doing subtle analysis as well as checking into kind of the the things that are harder to name, and they're doing micro analysis of they walk into a meeting, and you know we may think oh this is all woo woo but it's not the left brain is doing this really interesting stuff where it may be um, it's not fully necessarily conscious where it's saying oh he looked away oh she's distracted you know we're making analysis as well as um, checking into the overall sense of it which is harder to label Mm-hmm. Including, I would imagine, uh, body language. Um, oh, you know yeah. how people sit, and you, know, you mentioned uh, eyes, um, but I also know that you know how people cross their arms. Uh, yeah. You know facial expressions like a frown, a smile. I mean, those are all. Uh, we are such great signaling machines, are we not, and as human beings? We are. We are, and sometimes it's not. You know, there's Michelle Obama's been getting some flack because she rolled her eyes at John Boehner. I don't know who oh, did heard she? That. Yeah. Oh, no, she did, and they didn't. caught it. Somebody tweet. Somebody tweeted it. They caught her rolling her eyes, and then there's this. There's all of this really interesting analysis of. Um, the difference between how Obama, I think it was Boehner, dealt with Boehner versus how um, Joe Biden did. 
just from body language, did their eyes meet? So there's all this stuff going on, which is creating a field. And, you know, let me go there a little bit, because you know my favorite analogy for energy fields, coming from Minnesota and eating a lot, you know, going to a lot of church potlucks when I was growing up. Um, I, You know, we have this thing in Minnesota, <laughs> Ursula, where we think jello is a salad. Um, yeah, I know. It was, it was such a shock <laughs> to my system when I first moved to Minnesota and saw a salad that was made out of jello. I, yeah. I thought I had misunderstood that, that my English maybe wasn't as competent as I thought it would be. <laughs> Yeah, we call it jello salad. So I think of energy fields like jello molds. So you've got this you, you know, the field will contain and shape the energy. And if you've got it's just like jello, if you've got a square pan and you pour jello into it, no matter what you pour in, you're going to get, you know, green jello, red jello, whatever, you're going to get a square jello coming out of it. If you pour it into a pretty bunt ring, you're going to get a pretty bunt ring mm-hmm. jello. Mm-hmm. And so we step into these fields and we get shaped by them. Mhm. Yes, we get shaped by them and then at the same time we also shape the field. And yes, and it's a very much a chicken and egg question. Yes, so, I mean I'm just I'm just pondering that. It's like first, okay. Right. All right. If you know I'm just looking for an example and thinking, well, how did that happen? Did I shape it? Was I shaped it? What came first? Well, and it's that's it's one of those questions where um it's interesting but it may not be the most important question. You say, well, I was in a good mood, for example. I was in a good mood, and I came home, and my partner was in a bad mood Mm -hmm. and had created an energy field in the house of negativity. And so, you know, he shaped the field so that we had a bad evening because he was in a bad mood, right? That would be great. I would like that. That would be a great excuse to have, I think. (laughs) Right. We always have a choice. Yeah, of course. We have a choice, and this is back to that Rudyard Kipling poem. We walk Mm -hmm. into the field, and the choice, especially if we hold ourselves as leading our own lives, and that's what I think your and my definition of leadership is, is Mm -hmm. that we are leaders in our own lives at every moment. So I don't have the excuse of, well, they created a bad energy field. Well, and that culture, whatever you want to right, call it. Right, and so really, uh, as always, the first step, whether it's energy or anything else for that matter, the first step really is awareness, is yeah. knowing this is what's going on. This is the field that I'm now stepping into. This is the energy that I'm bringing. And now how do I want to impact this field? How want, do I want to reshape it? Right, and being aware, oh, this is interesting. It is impacting me. Mm-hmm. It is having an impact on me um, because it can't not. You're going to get shaped into this jello. Um, so do you, do you unconsciously just allow yourself to be shaped by it and be a reactor in life, a victim of life, really? Mm-hmm. Or do you say, oh, hang on a second. Something else needs to happen here. What is it going to take? Mm-hmm. And what needs to what needs to happen? And how how can I uh, how can I choose? And how can and what can I shape? 
Right. And, and I think, You're, yeah, no, go ahead. I'm, you know, I'm curious about something. Have you ever encountered an energy field that was impossible to reshape? Yeah, you and I have. Absolutely. I mean, and one of the things I was going to say is that, um, you know, it's all very well to say, oh, and yes, and you have the choice and go shape an energy field. Yeah. There are <laughs> there are fields that are so with history, yes. and um, you may have a leader who is, We, you and I had this, a leader who oh, is yes. so... Yes. Mm-hmm. hurt and I think damaged in some way mm-hmm. and there was history there that no matter that even though there were 20 of us including you and I as facilitators that wanted to create a different field the leader was so determined to be angry that mm-hmm. it felt like no matter what we could do uh, there was nothing we could do so I think part of understanding working with fields is that you do what you you know, you you can always try to shape it, and there are also times to walk away. Yes, I think that the, there are situations when the field is so powerful and so overwhelming that you know, no, there is no visible impact, or there is no impact that can be felt. Um, I think, uh, you know, looking back um, at that day, I still think there was a shift. But I don't think for you and I particularly, it was not so noticeable that we could actually say, well, it, it, there was, there was a really, there was a shift that that had an impact. Right, and I think that's that sort of goes to you know another subtlety that we've said for years about the seven levels, um, is that the higher levels will triumph in the end to use sort of a, a warlike, you know, fighting reference, yep. which I don't really like, but. Ultimately, love wins, ultimately, but it takes longer and you have to stay with it. And so I think about times that we've been called in to do sort of an organizational intervention when we've been given access and we've got the support of the leader and we've been Mm -hmm. given time. And I think about a year that we spent with an organization where we went in, we did one-on-one coaching, and Mm -hmm. we did a series of of short workshops, and and I think I did a half a day. And what happened was the energy field in the organization that, that you could feel as you walked in went from fear and frustration to engagement and innovation. But it took about six months. And it was a small organization, and it took some individual work with people to really shift that. Yeah, I think uh, what I what I know also through uh, coaching my clients is sometimes we can actually be, um, to use another metaphor, we can be sort of somewhat married to an energy field that, <laughs> that it's uh, it's hard to let go of. You know, if, yeah. if we've lived in frustration for a while, it, it begins to be a comfort zone. Well, we really, even, when we've... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, yep. No, well, you, you go ahead, sweetie. Well, we know what happens is, and this sort of maybe is a good segue into some of the neuroscience, um, is that we have the neural pathways that are very well-worn. And if you remember, we've talked about neuroplasticity on other shows, but that idea that it's like a path that, as even Thoreau said a couple hundred years ago, it's a path in the forest. And if you walk down it again and again, it's a well-worn trail. And so if I've been in an energy field of frustration, I've got the pathways for frustration. I I sort of know how to cope. Yes, 
yeah you know you know how how that walk feels and so letting go of that and uh, uh, you know building a new neural pathway can be challenging and also a little bit threatening i think I think so, and I think this is where coaching really play. You know, if you're looking at organizational change, transformation, we would say we sweep. A while ago, we said we don't do OD; we only do OT, which is not occupational therapy, although sometimes it feels like it. But it's organizational transformation is all we're really interested in. Really, the one-on-one work with people to keep them above, to help them with their natural inclination to stay above is their natural hope to stay above the line, which is what all people want, you know, in the fields of courage and Mm -hmm. above, the one-on-one work to help them recognize where they're below the line in the old patterns and make new choices so they can get new neural networks wired in there that that support and create a more positive energy field. Sometimes, you know, organizational transformation many times is not going to occur unless people have this one-on-one support. Yeah, I think uh, uh, I, I think in, in that respect, really, it is helpful to understand how the brain works because I think people give themselves a lot of uh, hard times and grief for not being able to change uh, or transform an organization or even a team, uh, knowing that that it is well-worn neural pathways in the person's brain is really really helpful. Um, you know, knowing that that can be a really really stuck place. Um, I also. I also want to quickly talk uh, about the centrifuge effect because I think <laughs> this is really um, sort of like apropos right. here. I, I uh, really like that. Can I can I say one other thing and then we'll go there? The, yes, I okay. Playing, I've started think I've, pl- I've started playing with this idea that you know we have that um, neural neural networks are two neurons firing together. So we have all of these potential neural networks, neural pathways in our brain because it's just a question of which way the neuron's going to fire, who it's going to pair up with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of think organizations are the same way. Like we have well-worn neural pathways between each other. Mm, mm, I like that. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Do you have an example? Um, well, I think about, you know, my son is the first one, and I've really changed that neural pathway. But we used to have, and people maybe will relate to this in relationships. Maybe you can think of an example, too, while I'm talking. Um, yes. I think I said on Facebook today we're going to go down the rabbit hole, so if I get too far down, I'll count on you to pull me out. Um, (laughs) So my son, uh, we used to have this this pattern a couple of years ago where he would get – um, be a sort of go through some kind of, I don't know, teenage hormone surge and start complaining uh, or yelling about some, some inconsequential thing. And our, it was like our dance step. My dance mm-hmm. step was to get mad and yell at him. His dance step was to yell louder at me, um, tell me I was stupid, follow me around the house, and we had this really dysfunctional pattern neural pattern, but it it could get kicked off in an instant. Can you think Mm -hmm. of an example for yourself? 
Yeah, I, I, I can think of a, an, a bottle line example, um, which is you and I. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. The line neural network. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, what I really like about this neural networks between us is sort of like a little bit like neuro, neuroscience dating or neuro, <laughs> neural network dating, you know. It's just like how we are with each other and we, we kind of have a way of uh, choosing, uh, you know, how to fire and, and where to fire. So uh, you know, the, our my example is is the relationship um, you know we have uh, together. I think we have a history of uh, above the of an above the line approach of awareness of and and really of a lot of love. So no matter um, what grouchy. <laughs> What grouchy email I might throw at you, <laughs> being in dire straits and frustration, technology frustration galore. Um, I know that our neural networks aren't um, connected to uh, permanent frustration or permanent fear or permanent hopelessness. They are connected to, you know, engagement and innovation and synchronicity. And I know those, that pattern, it will come back again and again and again. Yeah. And it, it, and what this feels like, it's a really, like if you think about a net that's really tied together beautifully and and tight this is what that feels like like a safety net yeah you know really got these tight connections it's a great example i was thinking about that yesterday i just have to out you ursula got justifiably (laughs) frustrated over technology and we were talking about how when technology doesn't work when something doesn't work because something wasn't working that was supposed to work and she got annoyed uh, <laughs> yes. and was more than annoyed. Sent me, sent me a crabby email. Um, uh, when, when like technology doesn't work, or the car doesn't work, or something is supposed to work and it doesn't, that you know the the not working creates a not work can create a not working in us. And it's oh, it's that's like interesting. Yeah, and so it's it's like the thing, which is a neutral thing, doesn't care, just. You know, we weren't pushing the right button or the program didn't work. Who knows? It's like it it will start shaping the field hmm. to not hmm. workability. And then you mm-hmm. become not working in the field of this technology not working. Now, what's interesting, and there's even some very strange research on this, that um, really start we start getting into the quantum idea that things are... Um, they've done research on waves and particles, um, and we'll maybe we'll put up a YouTube link on our website. We'll put a YouTube link up on Be Above Leadership under the blog for a. I'll find a good the YouTube video on on waves and particles. It's a physics. It's a quantum mechanics um, uh, concept or proven thing that researchers determine whether something is a wave or a particle by their own expectation and it is it's very much proven um it's a little weird wow. it's like a it this it can be either a wave or a particle and it will be whatever the researcher expects so there oh, is really? something yeah so we get into this you know technology mm-hmm. doesn't work it's broken you know we start we really start wondering when we look at quantum mechanics, like how, at least on the quantum level, 
really, how much do we have the ability to shape the energy field, which then shapes what's possible, like a jello mold, through yes. our own expectation? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because uh, I, I think I... I, for me, it's the opposite. I've actually given up the expectation that technology works. <laughs> and and so what I create is technology that doesn't work. Right. Yeah, because you have an expectation that it doesn't work. Yeah. And, we, you know, this is something that I think this is where, and you know our fascination and, and really what is becoming, I think, our brand at Be Above is, these, is we are all about intersections. And I am fascinated by this is something that, you know, the spiritual people have known for a long time that you get what you expect. Don't always get what you want, but you get what you expect on a deep level, maybe not consciously, but unconsciously. You are you are creating that, and there is now, you know, if you think about neuroscience as well as quantum mechanics, there's more evidence that while we may be able to, in a very real way, you know, it, within our lifetimes, more and more see the science behind why that's true. The connections are still a little iffy right now, and I think what mm-hmm. a physicist would tell me is. You can't make that, you know, just because that's true on the quantum level doesn't mean it's actually true about whether you're going to get a parking space or not. So that's what a physicist would say, whereas a deeply spiritual person would say, oh, yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, and there are so many things that we don't know that, that although we see evidence of it uh, in our own lives, it, it, I mean, there's just, I think we're at a wonderful place in history and human development where more and more this will come to the surface and it, yeah, it's it's certainly it very ex- exciting to to think that we could co-create our lives on even higher and deeper levels and even, by, with even by knowing more that. like more effectiveness well so yes. I, we, I sort of bookmarked this centrifuge effect and i want to talk about that because i find this really fascinating and this is back to the that the energy fields are a jello mold they create what's possible unless you create a new field so we have seen this both below the line and above the line where there is in an organization there's a certain energy field and someone mm-hmm. comes into the organization and um and I've, I've heard this from a lot of people. There will be organizations that have a reputation for being difficult yep. or neg- negative. Mm-hmm. And, a, you know, one of our friends will say to us, yes, but I'm going to go in and I'm going to be really above the line and I'm going to be really positive and I just know that they're going to come around, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even if they don't, they don't necessarily use that above-the-line language, but we've probably all heard this. And what generally happens generally, not always, but generally will happen is they'll go into the organization and one of two things will happen. Either they, and the organization has a kind of density and negativity. Either this person will become more negative to fit the Mm -hmm. field, fit the jello mold, or centrifuge effect, the organization will spit them out. They'll either quit or get fired. Yeah. No, I've I've, I've seen that. I've seen I mean, both you and I, and both in clients. I've seen it in my own life. Uh, yep. it, it really, when the energy begins to be not a match to the person anymore, this this definitely these are the the two ways that it will go. 
It's really interesting, and even in what I, it, I, I, we coined this term because we saw this happen with a couple of friends where they were like really good, solid, really accomplished people that any organization would be absolutely lucky to have got bizarrely fired. And we just said, oh, they're not a match for the energy field. Mm-hmm. Now, we also yeah. saw it. Go, go ahead. No, no, I, I can hold my question. Okay, because I wanted to say that it doesn't just work n- – on the negative level, for a while we thought maybe it did. And then this organization that we worked with last year or the year before, I can't remember when we were doing this six-month intervention, um, we saw it go the other way where the organi- there was a person in, mm-hmm. the, inter- in the organization who was just, I, I would say, just more wounded, more had more personal uh, growth to do and more, more difficult personal life. And was actually contributing to the negativity of the field. Well, people started getting coaching. They were doing some workshops. They were using above-the-line language. They were walking down the hall and saying, hey, I'm feeling really below the line today. Can you help me? Yes. And this person who was not a bad person at all, but just not ready to go there, she did something that was out of character for her that got her fired. Yeah. And there was, yes. like, it was and so bad that there was no choice. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting because I think that um, uh, I think unconsciously we then also create that. You know, I mean, I've 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 seen that that we just we number one our it's linked also to expectations and belief. We don't believe in it. We expect something different, and somehow we create scenarios that either. Uh, contribute negatively or positively, as the case may be, to the to the situation. Absolutely, it's like we don't we 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 know on some level that it's not a fit, either because it's the energy field is going higher and more positive than we can go, or often because people are interacting and there's a there's a stress or a, a density or a darkness that isn't really who we are. So. We'll we'll create something. We'll create a we'll create a crisis. Yeah, we create something that uh, either you know spits us out, or I, you know, I, you know, or something else. It's, it's funny. I just I just realized that I just saw this happen with another client who was was about to put this guy on a performance improvement plan. And he ended up finding another job. And sometimes, sometimes it is rational. People can, you know, re- feel like they can smell what's in the wind or read the writing on the wall, and they kind of, you know, get get while get while the getting's good. But what's interesting is is this client has a very positive, has created a, a good team, very much in engagement and innovation, really good people. This this person wasn't, and they left, and they left to go to a company which is by reputation very. Like it's like one of those places where he goes, oh, okay, good luck to him, because it's yeah, a yeah. company that by reputation is very like high stress, burns people out, burns through them, and we're like, and I said to my client, like, well, maybe that's a better fit. <laughs> I just wanted to say, it sounds like that is really a good match. It's, he it's found the, his, he's going to go find his energy field, right? Well, this also then reminds me of what what we often say is that we. Um, we recognize in the energy field, we recognize ourselves in it. Yeah, we do. And, and so I, I think I, that this yeah. this person must have recognized himself or herself in the energy field of this other more challenging 
um, organization, and then it becomes a match. It becomes a fit, even if it is below the line, frustrating and incredibly stressful energy, but it is just a fit. They see themselves in it. Yeah, you know, we do this in relationships, too. And one of our other um, teachers and heroes, Mario Martinez, who does this work called Biocognition, he he really alerted me to that whatever, this is kind of scary, but whatever our earliest associations with security, which is usually our parents, is going to travel the same neural pathway as what we associate with love. So if we're raised by you know, domineering parents or a primary domineering parent, being dominated will feel like love. If we're raised by someone who is negative and critical, being criticized will feel like love because it travels right close to that same, that earliest, you know, baby, security, mm-hmm. love being part of things. And you know, this is, was one of those, I remember sitting in my car listening to this just like with my eyes flying open going, yeah. holy mackerel, that's why people choose the partners they do because it's what they are so, um, it's so closely aligned there. Yeah, they recognize you know, that. Right. Yeah, that's a, a, when you first shared that with me, I mean, it was like, oh my goodness, this is that is really interesting. And as you say, it is scary because it really shows me how how we are programmed to make decisions that we're not even that we're not even aware of yeah, that we're you know, making. It's, it's interesting. It's something. It's um, something that uh, I, I've had said to me, like by a boyfriend, you know, um, you're really just used to more conflict than I'm used to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I grew up with more, with uh, with a mom who was, you had to kind of walk on eggshells, and so I'm a little more comfortable with that, and I'm a little less comfortable with just sort of, you know, peaceful, easy feeling. You know, it's kind yeah. of like, is, is that love? It's a really interesting place to look. Um. I'm wanting to know, do we need to do you want to say more about as we wrap up here maybe in another 5 minutes um just about the the neuroscience connection to these energy fields. What should we say there? Or what do you want to uh, ask? Yeah, I, I I would like I would love to make that connection. The other thing that I was also uh wondering that we maybe should talk about briefly is okay, so we we've talked about, you know, what is energy, the centrifuge effect, you know, the jello mold how we are impacted by it and how we are impacting the field. I want to maybe uh, also say something about, okay, so now we are aware of, you know, stepping into a darker energy field in a meeting or whatever it might be. Um, how do we, so we are aware of it, we are aware of our own energy. How mm-hmm. do we impact that energy field? Well, you know, I think this is, this is one of the, sort of back to this Rudyard Kipling poem, if you can keep your head while all about you are losing theirs, if you can be hated and not hate. You know, uh, uh, like in a, on a practical level, this is one of the reasons why I have you. I think when I've got, you know, you and I use this um, image or this metaphor of being climbing buddies a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's a blog post about this on BeAboveLeadership.com if you look under blog um, called Climbing Buddies. Uh, something we figured out years ago that it's easy. It's like if you think about climbing the mountain, 
if you're roped into each other and one person gets sucked down a crevasse of more negative energy because it's like it's gonna it's it's you're human we're gonna go there if you've got a climbing buddy you've got somebody to check in with you've got somebody Mm -hmm. to hold your rope you've got somebody who might notice that you're down the crevasse when you don't see it yourself yeah so i think the i think the 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 path of transformation is way too dangerous to do by yourself and you need a buddy you know, that's why we co-lead. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in uh, in organizations that is, uh, I think for, when someone works in a in an organization that has frustration built in, and and it is so important to find that that one person or that small group of people that are really trying to uh, keep the head above the above the line and, uh, and not lose it, and and really rope together and connect together, not for more gossip and negativity, but for more (laughs) inspiration, Um, you know, because we want to belong. And I think in in organizations particularly, if you are the odd one out, the one that sees it and feels it and wants to change something, um, it it can be very hard, I think, to um, make a stand for that. And I think, you know, the Rudyard Kipling poem is sort of about, you know, the great moral will can you do this but i think more aptly it's can we because yes. i know i know and i i've said this before to you i am who i am today because of you because we have been in partnership and and deep intimate friendship for 10 years over 10 years and you have held my rope and been a been a mirror and a model and allowed me to hold your rope and yes. w- on my own I don't always know where I am, but if I can check in with you, and you and I have had this as well where both of us have been um, hooked by a negative energy field and thought that it was our personal failing. Yes, yep. And that is the other, that's the other interesting thing about an energy field. So just for our listeners, if you ever find yourself um, in an energy field or in a, let's say, you know, you visit someone and uh, and there's something going on and you think it's sort of, it's you. Check in what's going on around you. It might be the field in the house uh, created by, you know, either the owners or the family or one person. And just check in what is the impact this energy field is having on you. Right, and I think one of the paradoxes is that the more below the line we are, we go to more of a left brain way of looking at the world, which is that it's not me, you know, I'm not, I didn't do it, it's other people, blame. The more above the line we are, the more we tend to look at our personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so you and I had this happen when we were in Singapore and didn't check in with each other. And this is another reason why buddies, climbing buddies, being able to say, I'm feeling really off about this. I'm not, you know, how are you feeling? You and I have gotten better about that the last yes. couple of years so that we can say, I may have a personal role. I am co-creating this and I can mm-hmm. shift it, but I'm, but I'm not a you know it's not that I've become suddenly a bad person who's creating this negative field. Yeah, so yeah, what's very actually well happening said. here? Yeah. Yeah, no and excellent. I, That's true. 
And then I think, you know, well, what do we do, you know, because we're roped together? I think you and I, you know, if I think about in our workshops when we've had challenging participants or um, in difficult times, you know, what do we do to shift the field? We, uh, we find a way, we find love, we find acceptance, we tell the truth, we use vulnerability. All of the things like the clearer, the more truth and love you can bring the more likely you are to shift the field. And this sort of links to Brene Brown's work in vulnerability. You know, that is such a powerful way because vulnerability is like clean truth. And clean truth has a very high vibration. And will, you know, if you're really as a leader, you and I do this all the time. We share our stories with with tremendous vulnerability. It's very hard to judge someone who's saying, yes. you know, let me rip my chest open and show you my, my fragile my heart. My wounds, show me my fragile, right. my fragile right. heart. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's very true. That, that, that is, uh, that's a very, very powerful energy. In, and the other one that, that I would add is, is gratitude. I mean, even when yeah. things are not, you know, going particularly well or, you know, you find yourself in some below-the-line energy, I find that just finding a piece of gratitude forever for whatever it might be right right <laughs> it might not be about technology in that moment but it might be about you know many other things that that are beautiful and uh worth being grateful for that i always find shifts my energy to a right, you know I, a higher level and that really sort of then i think about some of the neuroscience correlations well the best research we've got is research on stress because you know, stress has been researched a lot. Well, stress is, is um, I don't want to go into the whole definition of stress, but what you've got when you've got sort of a lot of stress, you're looking at kind of a, a toxic biochemical response if something, if it's a high, quote, highly stressful situation. And it's much more likely people will be below the line. And one of the things we know what works um, from the neuroscience research is naming what's going on, Finding a new perspective, mm-hmm. which is sort of where the gratitude comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at values and vision. Those things. Mm-hmm. These, these are all things that will shift the field, and they're all research-proven ways of dealing with stress. Mm-hmm. And mindfulness, being present. You know, even yeah, in a I, meeting. That's go ahead. so true. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, uh, the being present to what is without blaming or judging yourself is is incredibly helpful. Absolutely, and it's something that leaders can even do in a meeting in the moment is say, okay, before we go any further, let's just take a breath. We've all been running around. Let's take a breath. Let's get present. You know, if if leaders did more to just help people get present before they started and stay present, not checking Blackberries, iPads, whatever, stay present in the meeting and name yeah. what's going on, you deal with a lot of the below-the-line stuff and it wouldn't end up, you know, toxifying your meeting. Yeah, no, that's, that? uh, that's 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 very that's very true. Um, you know, talking about stress, this might be a really good topic for our next uh, our next oh. radio show. That sounds great. Let's put that out there. We can talk about the the neuroscience of dealing with stress, and that sounds that sounds great. Um, just to just in wrapping up. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening to us today and hanging out while Ursula and I just sort of 
talk about the things we love to talk about. That's why we created this radio show, because we're talking <laughs> about this stuff anyway, and thought it would be fun if some of you wanted to listen. Um, for those of you who are coaches, uh, who are trained coaches already from any coaching school, our next um, Neuroscience, Consciousness, and Transformational Coaching Program starts in April in Toronto, and it's filling up. Yay. We yes, will it be, is. It's great. It will In June, we'll be in London. So for our European friends, that's our only European uh, presence this year. We'll be in London uh, a few times doing the program. Yep. This yep. starts off in June. And then uh, we also have a retreat version, which is wonderful fun, and we'll be doing that at a beautiful retreat center in Sonoma, uh, California, in August. So those are the next opportunities um, that are available for joining us in this fabulous program that really teaches you how to use neuroscience and consciousness to help your clients transform. Yeah, so go to our website, uh, beaboveleadership.com. We have also just put our uh, brand new, beautiful ebook on there. Uh, You can read about neuroscience, the seven levels, uh, and the link uh, in that ebook. So thank you, Anne, for just being the marvelous writer of that ebook and i also thank want to you. thank uh, our behind the scenes um designer alberto uh, who did uh, the design work and uh, made it beautiful it's 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 lovely so go to our website to find our offerings and uh, Anne's blog as well as our ebook and thank you for hanging thank out you. with us and uh, um learning and you know, learning something about energy, and we hope that you have a an above the line energy day today. <laughs> go shape a jello bowl. All right, yeah, thank go, you. Go, go shape. Talking to you. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.